0: Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about all things related to the life and ministry here at Waypoint Church. And today we have a interesting episode because we're going back to our roots where during the sermons, things brought were brought up that we couldn't cover in full detail. So today's podcast is titled Death, Halloween, and the Resurrection of the Body. And this is based on our sermon <laughs> series on when we hit on... Uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, and just talking about the resurrected body. So I know these themes, it it is Halloween is next week, so that's part of why we're doing it, because it was in our sermon series, and we thought we would just continue to process it. So I'm Danny, one of the pastors here at Waypoint, and I am joined by...
1: Erica, um, the director of Women's Discipleship.
2: And I'm Peter, the church planning resident and associate pastor here.
0: Well, thanks, y'all, for agreeing to come in to this podcast and just so you know right beforehand lawrence came in and he's like gave us all the questions that he wanted us to throw in and stuff <laughs> and he was it was funny
2: very obscure very questions. obscure mm-hmm.
0: questions but this is an interesting topic um and we need to deal with it death and the resurrection and our culture's recent like wanting to put tombstones in their front yard and skeletons but also at the same time like none of us you know see death we we people are in nursing homes we don't have graves to graveyards near churches anymore there's just just a lot going on so we're gonna we can't hit on all of it but we're gonna hit on some of it today during this podcast and to start we always do an icebreaker so today's icebreaker is how did you celebrate halloween as a kid and do you have any favorite costume or story <clears throat>
1: all right so i went trick-or-treating pretty much every year i think um Might have gone to a fall festival a time or two, but mostly just neighborhood trick-or-treating. Two costumes that kind of stand out that show that I am a child of the 80s. One is when I was about six or seven, I went a Smurfette but it was a plastic costume this where like really puffy pos- with a plastic Those face are mask are with like uh yeah the eyes and then it's like a one piece plastic thing <laughs> over it i think my brother was plastic gi joe that same year Amazing. and so yeah really stood out and then another when i was like in 5th or 6th grade everyone wanted to be um, like a punk rocker for Halloween and Cyndi Lauper and people like that were popular. So I got to like uh, put my hair in side ponytail and spray paint it pink and wear like, you know, a bunch of necklaces and stuff like be that. So rocker. yeah. Yeah. like my punk rocker costume.
2: Nice. How about you, Peter? So growing up, I was somewhat in the church era of do we do Halloween or do we not? <laughs> and so I do, I do, do you remember trick-or-treating in our neighborhood? And one year my brother had won a huge stuffed animal at Hershey Park. I grew up in Maryland, so Hershey Park was like our nearest amusement park.
0: Like Hershey, Pennsylvania? Hershey,
2: Pennsylvania. Uh, chocolate. And so he, they got the chocolate factory and all the <laughs> all the things Hershey Park's a great uh, amusement park. But one of the games he had won this giant buffalo. And so my mom was kind of crafty and she took that giant buffalo and it was filled with these styrofoam balls and she disassembled it and turned it into a Halloween costume. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
1: so impressed. Yeah, That
0: is amazing. Yeah, so I gr- I grew up in a family that, you know, in a church setting that struggled with what to do with Halloween. But I also grew up with, Particularly a mom who really liked celebrating and holidays and festivities and stuff. So, and costumes were fun for children. So, we weren't allowed to be like witches or devils or anything. But as long as we stayed in the realm of the other stuff, I did have a plastic Pac-Man, like, yes. uh, which was really scary. So if if you're if you didn't grow up in the 80s or early 90s, stop the podcast right now. <laughs> this isn't spiritual. And Google like plastic face plastic yeah. masks like smurfs <laughs> or other things from the 80s strawberry shortcake. strawberry shortcake costumes and you'll just see why we're why i'm i'm glad i survived that yeah. era of, of <laughs> you survived, uh, but yeah so i did that and i think we had a couple things at the church sometimes some fall festival type stuff but it was always just a fun time to be with people in the neighborhood i, I do remember my teenage years this was still the early 90s like people throwing eggs and shaving cream and that kind of stuff the teenagers getting into trouble sure i think that's why parents all walk around with their kids now and (laughs) halloween (laughs) went from a little more of a mischievous day in maybe the 80s early 90s to more of a it's at least in my neighborhood it's purely family it's almost turned into that but yeah so those those were some of my traditions i don't i don't have any crazy stories or anything i i did try that when i was a teenager we did kind of roam around and the shaving cream thing maybe one year ninth grade 10th grade my parents sure kind of didn't know what to do so they just let me go i didn't tell them but yeah so I, I just i think my my experience with halloween is just generally it was a fun family you know just just a holiday
2: for kids to enjoy The neighborhood. Yeah, I will say our church did this Main Street Midway, which we have trunk or treat coming up this weekend here at Waypoint, and it was kind of a similar idea where there were games. And I do, as a kid, I have really good memories of one thing they did was they had this—I don't know who constructed it—but it was this giant jail that they would put in the center of the church, which was like. Just you know, looked like an old-fashioned jail, mm-hmm. and it had four walls and a, a door. And somehow, I don't know how it went, but you could nominate people to go in jail, <laughs> and they had to go in jail for five minutes. Wow, it, it was wow. it was quite fun. That was that's
0: fun. Protestant purgatory, I yeah. guess. Like, <laughs> um, Speaking <that's>, of which, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, we were going to hit Segway. on some of this. What it, what happens in the in between? Uh, yeah, so that that is fascinating because I think that. Yeah, our church had some fall festival things. I, I think just people were just trying to figure it out what what to do with this. And we'll t- we'll talk more about that later. I, d- as, I actually
1: yeah. have a fall festival memory when you said that, too. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Um I remember there were people like in a Sunday school classroom and they had a curtain and the window was open. And you went from the outside and you fished like you put a fishing oh, yeah. rod in and they hooked, you nice. know, a bag with candy to it. Yeah. And I remember yeah. that being really fun, you know.
0: Now, in our Thing, we always did this thing called bobbing for apples. Was really right. common right. at fall right. festivals and Halloween. Pre-COVID. And, and this is like, I mean, some of you germaphobes yeah. would freak yeah. out. And basically, there's just a bucket, like a garbage, literally sometimes it was a garbage can, yeah. that was filled with water to the top, and there was like 20 apples in there, or like a one of those feeding trough type metal mm-hmm. things, 20, 30 apples in there, and people would race, like two people would go or three people, and they'd stick their head in, and whoever could grab the apple with their teeth and pull it up first. And I actually did some history before this podcast. I mean some research on history of Halloween. And that part of of Halloween that was linked to like finding a mate or something like Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was like in certain northern European cultures like bobbing for apples was linked to like kind of like throwing the bouquet at the Interesting. at a wedding. Like whoever whichever Girl came up with that was the next one to get married and stuff. So there's, there's some. So it's interesting that that carried over at least into the early 90s because I remember my junior or senior yeah. year of high school at the church fall festival, bobbing for apples. So it, it it definitely lasted from whenever it came from Europe till 1992, so Halloween of 1992. But we're gonna move on, and um, I wanted to start by talking about what the Apostles' Creed calls the resurrection of the body. Uh, and to start, I'm going to read just uh, some sections from the Nicene and Apostles Creed, and then we're going to talk about this. So let me read it. Sorry, I have a lot of papers in front of me. I had to do a ton of research for this one, y'all. So, from the Nicene Creed, For our sake he was crucified, this is talking about Jesus, under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. This is talking about Jesus. It continues and it says, He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. That's those who are alive and then those who have previously died. And his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic or universal church, and apostolic one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. This is like the core statement mm-hmm. of our faith that... W- and that's how it ends. Apostles' Creed, which is a similar document, just a shortened version of of the same teachings that the Church has said throughout the century, says, talking about Jesus, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead or to hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
1: I grew up saying that every week at church, except we didn't say— I grew up in the Methodist Church. We didn't say descended to the dead, and we said the quick and the dead, instead of (laughs) of the living and the dead. Yeah, that's more King James English. Yeah,
0: And the the descended to the dead in the Apostles' Creed or not, there's just a—
2: there's a lot there. There's a debate <laughs> yeah. on History. that and and what right.
0: what that means, but at Waypoint we include it just because mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's Calvin, Luther, Wesley. I mean, they all included it in their in their originals. And there's just was it in the original or not, but the idea is definitely in the text. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to so that's kind of the starting point for today. Is this this idea of that the resurrection of the body is the, le- the second to last sentence of both the reads. core of our faith yes, yes the yes. core of our faith like paul says in first corinthians 15 if there's no resurrection basically our faith is worthless like we, we are, are to be pitied yeah we're wasting we're wasting our time here right. so um my question to y'all if you were talking to someone new about the christian faith and they asked what happens when we die how would you answer this person
2: hmm. Erica, I
0: you think, want to start? <laughs> yeah. And I, think I did prep them in advance. Some, yeah. Sometimes I throw people curveballs. <laughs> yeah. I was like, for this one, I can't. Yeah. So Peter and Erica have fully gotten these questions <laughs> only a couple of days ago. So Yes,
1: yeah, so I was thinking about the sober coffee this morning, and I was thinking one of the first things I would point out, maybe take them to, is when Jesus is dying on the cross and he has a um, you know, two thieves on either side. And one of them says, remember me when you enter into your kingdom, which is interesting that he's dying and he man thinks he's going to enter into a kingdom. And um, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So, um, and then... Maybe- and
0: paradise isn't the word heaven. <laughs> it isn't, it's no, it's kind of a new word he's introduced at this moment. Right, we don't have, right, right. there's not this big paradise theme in Isaiah and Ezekiel that we... Right, right. So it's, so, it's a fascinating... Choice of words that yes. Jesus says.
1: Right. I might not I might not go down that rabbit hole yet, but I would point that out yeah. and then say that Paul— It's a positive word. It's a and, positive, yet, positive word. Yeah, positive. Something positive. It's to give comfort. And then Paul in his letter says to to be with Christ. Um, either you're here living mm-hmm. for Christ or you're dead and you're with Christ, and that's mm-hmm. better by far. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can take comfort, like with our loved ones who have gone before us or in thought of death, that we don't have to be afraid that whatever happens, we're, we will be, if we know the Lord, then we will be with Christ, and that's and that's better. That's the then, immediate state. Yes, and the immediate. Christ. And then I would point out, I'd probably take him to the end of Revelation, um, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, um, near the end, when we see where we're headed um, and say there's going to be a new Jerusalem, we're going to be restored, a, a new Eden, back when everything was perfect, and we can hope in a new earth that we won't just be floating around on clouds, like playing harps, or we don't turn into angels, but we actually will have a physical body, but it, it'll be a perfect body, and there'll be no more pain and tears, and and we, will, we won't just be sitting around singing or just resting, we'll be creating and living life the way God intended, but without sin. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a famous story of DL Moody saying one day you're going to see in the papers that DL Moody is dead. Don't believe a word of it (laughs) on that day. I'll be more alive than I've ever been. Mm. Amen. And I think that that is what we believe that Mm. that is what scripture teaches that true life will be experienced beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. And I think, as we kind of venture into, uh, how does this re- relate to the resurrection of the dead and um, our physical bodies and maybe what what happens immediately, I think we do have these the, the passages that Erica pointed to, the passage that Danny and Erica shared about a couple weeks ago in second Corinthians five, he says, Um, whether we are at home or in the body or away with the Lord, we have good courage. And so there's this immediacy in Paul's mind to after death, we are in the presence of Jesus. Or with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's my immediate answer to that question. Mm -hmm. And um, I think... As we think about there will be a day in Christ's second coming when he comes to establish this new Eden, this new kingdom, that we look forward to our physical bodies being resurrected and experiencing the um, bodily experience in a perfected way. And that is, and so I think NT Wright's kind of coined the phrase, we, um, Life after life after death, and that's what we look forward to in the resurrection of the body. Mm-hmm. Amen.
0: Thanks, y'all. I don't have to answer my friend. I'll just say here, <laughs> talk to Erica or Peter. And <laughs> they'll explain to you exactly what what happens. Yes, I, I think y'all are. Yeah, and 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 for those listening, if this is you know we're we're talking at Waypoint about share, sharing the hope of Christ with our neighbors. So don't walk up to them. I mean, it. it, it Be you know, be thoughtful. And but as people ask questions, be ready to have an answer. And the simplest answer is 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 there in the text, and it's we're with Christ, and that God is making all things new in this evil, broken world. God mourns and grieves over it, and He's in the business of making promise, fulfilling His covenant promises. And we can see that in his promises fulfilled through through Abraham and, and through sending Jesus. And then we can see it, in we are getting getting to continue to be part of what he's doing. And, mm-hmm. and, and their death will be no more. And we can have hope that immediately those who call upon the name of the Lord, those who put their trust, you know, it says in Romans 10, it says, you know, it says, whoever calls, you know, it says, if you believe, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. and that's our hope so yeah. believing in the resurrection is is the starting point to saying when we die we can be with jesus yeah. now we're going to talk a little, get a little more in the weeds here because mm-hmm. the passage we read in paul i mean in first corinthians 5 is the probably the most the the most descriptive passage we have of kind of what happens in between. And it hardly says anything. And it's not even Paul's key theme of that section. Mm
1: -hmm. I would add with that too, that death is still sad when we're Mm -hmm. on this one. Like Jesus cried when Lazarus died. And um, so it's appropriate to like, to grieve and be sad. We don't Mm -hmm. have to, because we're Christians be like, Oh, but it's okay. You know, because we, Mm -hmm. we miss those who have died, but Mm we don't grieve. We, Without hope. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah Paul hope. says
0: we don't mourn like those who have, have no hope. We mourn, but we mourn with hope, right. which yeah. is a, a different...
2: Yeah, a uniquely Christian grieving. Yes. And yeah, I think that's a, a good mm-hmm. point. Like as we talk about <laughs> resurrection hope, sometimes um, maybe we gloss over the fact that um, death is this bitter sting of debt, of sin and of brokenness in this world. And I think as we think about death and resurrection in light of the gospel, we acknowledge that death is not the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that is why we have hope in the gospel. That is why the resurrection is so is this key element in the Nicene Apostles Creed, because this is our hope that even though we experience the bitter and painful sting of death in this world, that that's not all that there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why Paul would say, if,
0: and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, right, you will be saved. So like the belief in the resurrection is the core of our faith, you know, like yeah. we mm-hmm. have to believe that that we died to sin and we are raised with Christ mm-hmm. again. So and death doesn't have the final and word death thing. doesn't have the final word, even though it's sad because what we, when we see death in this world, we're seeing what should have never been, but because of our sinfulness, because of our brokenness, it's, it's here, but it's, it's here, but it's, it's, it's going to be destroyed forever. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, that continues us on. We're going to, we're going to keep diving in, but was there anything? So Peter and Mary preached and spoke through, uh, the entirety of Second Corinthians four, and then Eric and I did the first half of Second Corinthians five. Was there anything that, particularly Peter or Erica, that you wanted to say in the sermon, or just just something that you'd want to share as you, even as you you spent a couple weeks away from all that preparation? Because it was it's a lot to prepare a sermon that covers a lot of ground. Trying to say what was Paul's original intent when when also Paul throws in a lot of theological truths that enforce his original idea but aren't the idea that he's he aren't part of the flow of his argument he's just throwing them in there to enforce his argument so any any additional things you thought of or you want to share on the passage
2: i was thinking about that reality as we think about death and resurrection throughout the new testament and uh, thinking about preparing for this podcast i was realizing that the teaching that we have on death and resurrection is kind of secondary in in all these letters too. He's talking about something going on in the church in Corinth and 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 so in some ways um while well it's not secondary it's it's a primary truth of of what we believe but I guess my point there is that it's very practical. Like sometimes it can feel like this conversation about afterlife can be like abstract. Why are we talk about it? Theological yeah. abstractions. But the point um, throughout the New Testament is really, like, this makes a difference in how you live, and specifically, I think, how you face suffering. Um, Almost all of the references to resurrection are in, like, teachings that we have on resurrection come in the context of, here's how to suffer well. And so... Yeah, there's so much in Second Corinthians 4, I, I mm-hmm. probably couldn't touch on everything, you know, I couldn't do it on Sunday morning, couldn't do it here on this podcast, but one aspect um, that um, we didn't even touch on that Sunday morning in Second Corinthians 4.17, where it says this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And... There's this dynamic that uh, in, in a lot of this conversation, I'm going to say, I plead the 55th. Um, we, we, we say in, in our culture, I plead the 5th, but I plead the 55th. Which I refer to Isaiah 55, where it says, "My thoughts are higher than your thoughts, right. mm-hmm. or my ways higher than your ways." I
0: like that. I never heard that before. Yeah, 55, yeah. I, I, I yeah.
2: came oh. up with that one. <laughs> nice. You heard it right here yeah. on the Waypoint
0: What's the Point podcast. I believe it's 55th, copyright though, so yeah. that
2: there is a lot of mystery here. Uh-huh. Like w- when Paul sa- "It's clear," Paul's saying that God is doing something in the midst of our suffering that is preparing. And a weight of glory. And I don't understand that. Um, and in in that, I think it's this truth that we did highlight on Sunday morning that God delights in taking the most hard and hurtful things in our life and redeeming them for his glory. And so there is a weightiness of the resurrection life that I think will be experienced in light of what we walk through on this earth. And I think that that is one piece that we see here. Um, and I think in saying let me, that... Let me interject yeah, in that. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, a parallel might be like, we know that if you study hard for the nurse exam, you're going to become a nurse and you're going to get the job. Or if you, if you prepare for a race or if you... Like, there's something about are the way we're wired. Like we understand that a little bit of suffering now and a little bit of hardship now can lead to a a future glory, a future goal. But sometimes in our spiritual life we we just lose sight of that or lose heart of that. Right. And that's one of the things Paul's trying to address. Cause yeah. just before this he's talking about later on he talks about his personal suffering, which is literally like being beaten, tortured mm-hmm. in prison kill up to the point of death, mm-hmm. but earlier he's talking about just suffering because the church can't agree mm-hmm. and they're fighting with each other and they're hurting each other and backstabbing and and gossiping and and, and the the church is 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 not being the church and it hurts Paul and 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 his coworkers as in this. So it's interesting you bring that up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah.
2: And I want to be clear. It, I don't think what Paul's teaching here when he says that our momentary afflictions are preparing a weight of glory. I don't think it's a, this idea of karma that we sometimes Mm -hmm. like culturally believe in that. um, And this is kind of like almost a reverse karma where if you endure suffering, you'll receive glory. I don't think that that's what Paul's saying, but Mm -hmm. I think what he is saying is that as we walk through suffering with hope, the weight of what is coming will be all the more realized mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. after Good. after Good. death.
1: I think so too. Good. Yeah. Wow. Life will I mean the truth is in this life we don't all suffer equally. Some people right. do experience far worse, but everyone is going to to experience suffering at some point. But it's a reminder there's there it's not meaningless and that right. yes, yeah. And right. that perspective too. And
0: from the all the versions of suffering and all the varieties of suffering aren't meaningless. In in what Paul, I would argue, that's kind of right. Paul's right. saying, and, and, yeah. and he's not he's not saying like pursue suffering, but he's saying when yeah. you suffer, don't well, like the false teachers. And just for those of you who are maybe trying to catch up on the our Corinthian series, the false teachers is who Paul's kind of fighting against. They're saying that if you suffer, maybe Paul's not a real yeah. Paul's not a, a real authentic Christian. His gospel is wrong because. Because he because he's suffering, mm-hmm. that's why. So you need to kind of believe our gospel, which we're trying to eliminate. We're we're doing better financially, or we're better speakers, or we're better at these things. So we're not suffering in the way Paul is. So maybe we have God on our side. I think that's that- that's the that's that's the probably the either the primary or secondary backdrop of Paul right. writing this letter in the in the whole context around all the letters and dialogue he has with the Corinthian church.
1: I think we can do that today too because we want the success story you know mm-hmm. and I think uh, I think we need to celebrate miraculous healings and things God does but I think we also need to celebrate ongoing grace to endure hard things also and I think that um you know in older translations of the Bible would have the word long suffering yeah and um We don't use that phrase anymore, but that's a virtue, a fruit of the spirit, a character. Yeah, the
0: latest edition of the NIV, it says love, joy, peace, forbearance, Mm. because patience is, they they just felt like patience doesn't cut the actual Greek word, our our modern version of patience. Like, be patient, you know, like we say that to a kid Mm -hmm. in the McDonald's line or Chick-fil-A line (laughs) or whatever. So the NIV translators chose to move to the forbearance, which is that long-suffering word. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, like, I remember when we were overseas and we were at a place where just we would share with people and lots of people were interested in the gospel and erica's best friend went to europe because she had learned the language i mean we both went as college students right after and where she went like nobody was interested like they it was hard for them you know and that was hard for us in other ways and i just think like as we enter into christian spaces and doing things from sharing from living life from just dealing with the brokenness, our own sins sin and others, just the the brokenness of of our bodies, all these things in the world, we, we we begin to realize that suffering is inevitable, mm. and the resurrection hope is his his life. It's yeah. it's so I'm thankful that this letter's here. Erica, did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah.
1: Or? Well, uh, one thing is when you were talking about plead the fifty fifth and Isaiah mm-hmm. made me think. I normally always go back. Similarly to Psalm 131, it's really short. But mm-hmm. when you feel like your mind is like in knots trying to figure out this stuff, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I've calmed and quieted myself like a wean child who no longer cries for his mother's milk yes, it's like a weaned child, my soul within me. Mm -hmm. I'll put my hope in the Lord. And I think sometimes you just have to come to a place where like, I don't know, this is pretty mysterious stuff. And thankfully we're given um, glimpses what Mm -hmm. we can handle or what we need to have hope, but Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of unresolved questions. Um, And as far as are sharing. Um, I think I got to cover most of what I wanted to say, but one thing that really stood out to me as we were preparing is um, no matter where you're coming to this conversation and what personality or what season of life, there is hope. If you're someone who's in immense suffering, you can take hope that it won't always be this way. If you're someone who... um, is struggling with purposelessness you realize oh the the things that are eternal that we get to be a part of now um mm-hmm. if you're afraid of death there's hope if you you know are too too much into this the joys of this life or the faults the the glitter the the distractions of this life there's mm-hmm. um hope there too yeah
0: yeah and it, the only thing I, as I reflected back, I just felt like this passage does give us some glimpse that there's, um, you can study it and kind of think like, what is the in between? Yeah. But the answer that I can tell you is that this passage and all the others that talk about the in between, even to the passage where Saul brings back samuel which is a creepy passage you know and and, and saul is literally talking to samuel's ghost and uh, i think it's uh first samuel 15 and he paul saul gets condemned from that and actually loses the kingship and dies because of because he he disobeys the the law by by using a, a medium a spiritualist but in all these what 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 this in-between state is is not clearly defined in the text it's it's right. left as a mystery but every time like y'all said earlier immediately we're with christ that's the promise like we are with christ so we don't know what we don't know if like we're kind of sleeping and then like we don't know how time will pass for those who have died so you can rack your brain and come up with all kinds of theories but ultimately god didn't want us to have the exact details. We probably couldn't even comprehend them. We'd have to plead the 55th or I, I normally go to Romans 11, like same thing at the end of Romans 11, we all, that's mine. Romans 11. Like he gave us a bunch of details one through 11 and then he's like, Hey, but in the end, this this is up to God and his ways are way beyond our ways. And he's literally quoting an old Testament passage. So for me, I, I, I would have liked to dive into that, but I felt like all I can tell you is when you really search, you're going to get some systematic theology, like some key points here or there, and you can make some assumptions, but there's nothing other than the hope that we're with Christ. Yeah. And I'm glad that's the way the New Testament leaves it. Yeah, and there's that we this are with Christ.
2: Yeah, there's a sentiment of confidence that just eludes mm. from the yeah. text that after death is being with Christ, and then there's also this confidence that. One day there will be the resurrection and the final
0: judgment and the resurrection of the dead. And God will make all things right and new at that moment.
2: Wipe every tear. It's almost like those are just these two things we hold on to, and the in between of that, you know, people talk about this disembodied temporary state and things like that. And there is a lot of mystery there that we don't know, but we do know those two things.
0: And the, the only other thing is the the last sentence says, "For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ." so that each may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And this is kind of not Paul's main idea here. He's just throwing out a theological truth. And we're probably going to need to unpack this a little deeper, not in today's podcast. But what is the final judgment? We are going to be talking about Ezekiel and First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians coming up. So we'll we'll hit on these a little more. So don't think I skip this in this section, because I even quoted N.T. Wright saying this is probably the clearest, Paul's clearest passage on judgment, Mm -hmm. on what the judgment's like, in all Paul's letters. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't part of Paul's argument. He's just referring back to it. So we will continue on this theme. So I'm going to read another quote. This one's from Wright about this passage, and he says this. He says, in this passage, as it is typical in many in the New Testament, heaven is not the place where we go when we die, but rather the place God has our future bodies already in store for us. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on this?
2: I think, yeah, his phrase that he says in um, the resurrection and the Son of God, uh, N.T. writes, talks about this. We look forward to life after life after death and that resurrected moment. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you want me to say about that, Danny? <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I mean, for me, as I process it and process this passage, I just think that God is preparing heaven for us now. And that's why the the phrase in the Lord's Prayer, as earth as it is on as on heaven, sorry, on earth as it is in heaven is vital for us right now like that there's something already happening in heaven when we worship on sunday morning we're like or or anytime we gather we're worshiping with the courts of heaven like heaven and earth are already together now not fully Mm -hmm. but there are when jesus says repent for the kingdom of god is at hand or is near like we it's that's a hard word to translate the old king james used to translate it is within uh, but it, it just means it's like it's here, but it's not here. So so I think that what what Wright's trying to imply is that heaven isn't just the final destination; it's already here with us now. But God is what we do now is and and is is, in, is involved in heaven, and heaven's involved in what we do now. There's an intersection.
1: Yeah, I think in our imagination, I know in mine, we tend to like fall back in thinking like Earth is where the action is. And that, mm-hmm. like in the heavenly realms, God's just sitting around <laughs> waiting on us, and maybe there's some angels yeah. waiting to serve mm-hmm. us too or welcome us. But I think that's a wrong perspective. I think God is always uh, mm-hmm. working and mm-hmm. um, in ways that we can't even comprehend. And I think mm-hmm. there, like you said, there's things going on, important things going on in the heavenly realms that that we can. Partner with her on Earth and one day fully experience, yeah, not just floating spirits or whatever. And yeah. and
0: Paul is encouraging us in this passage that our suffering now is like moving toward a goal in that realm. Like yeah. there's there's yeah. there's some kind of exchange happening. Yeah, so, and it yeah it's, it, it shows up a lot in Paul's writings and the rest of the New Testament.
2: Yeah, and I think early in my spiritual journey, I had this concept of life on earth and then heaven. And I think a lot of people have that kind of um, dichotomy. And as I started to read the New Testament and I hear this confidence that after I die, I'm with the Lord. I think most of us as Christians have that sentiment. But then as I start to read about the kingdom of God and the resurrection of the body and see the layers of God's coming kingdom, it started to be like, okay, so I think I had a little bit too simplistic idea of life after death. Um, And I say this because I I imagine some listening might, might be like, what are we talking about? I thought it was just like, we go to heaven after we die. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, the concept of Christ's kingdom has been really helpful Mm -hmm. in seeing almost the complexity of our future with Christ is um, a recreation. It is, um, as Erica said, um, restoring Eden. And in that we have this opportunity in our present life to participate in the outworking and almost invasion of that kingdom here on earth, as Danny said. That that's what we pray toward. And this and I, is this
0: uh, is in in this is commentary and exegesis from Second uh, Corinthians five one, where he says, "We know that the earthly tent, if the earthly tent we live in, or when it's destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven." Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So, like, the heavenly dwelling is already being prepared, and it's already, like, it's Mm -hmm. linked to our earthly body, just like Jesus tells them, like, you'll see the Son of Man in his glory before uh, he comes, you know, at um, the event is blanking me, where he meets Peter, James, I mean, Peter. Ascension? The ascent. no. No, the the Transfiguration. Transfiguration, at the Transfiguration, so... It's the same idea that this body that we have now. There's already a heavenly body being prepared for us, and there, it's it's connected now. And what we do now is is part of that. And it's it's hope. Like yeah. Paul is is bringing it up here to give them hope.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I feel like that mindset, that kingdom mindset, is so much more exciting, encouraging, and hopeful too mm-hmm. than the more.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and it just like our future hope isn't. An escape. Yes. I, I think that's that's a key element to this. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a entering into the fullness of what we are made for, and and I think that switch in thinking is is super helpful as we think about even how do I approach today and yeah. the suffering mm-hmm. I'm facing.
1: Yeah.
2: All right. So we're gonna move on
0: to our final theme, and and in the in the passage i talk about how linda Belleville i she was commentating on this and she says that uh, paul is tackling the topic of christian hope beyond the grave and more specifically what happens to the believer at the point of death and then she says this which i thought was interesting in our culture the subject of death holds a certain fascination as well as repulsion mm. and i think the fascination is like uh you know about spiritualism and even this halloween stuff and kind of not knowing what to do with it the repulsion is we have nursing homes. we we, we kind of want to like funeral homes like we don't you just want to see the bodies we we're far from death we don't kill our own food we we don't want to see the chicken die you know we 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 want to put our dogs to sleep outside of us i mean we're just we don't want to see death up right. front where almost every culture up until about 1950s, Europe and America, death was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like you would, if you live in a place, you would see grandma would die in your house, Mm -hmm. not in a hospital or a nursing home or something. Mm -hmm. So we're separated from death. So there's some, which probably has some good things, but it also has a lot of, it it distances Mm -hmm. us and we we don't remember death. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, we're fascinated by other things Ouija boards and horror movies and some of the state you know some of this zombies. other stuff which, zombies yeah. which we mm-hmm. shouldn't be fascinated maybe we're over fascinated. So final thoughts and then we'll talk a little bit about Halloween.
1: Mm-hmm. All right um, yeah, I think it's one thing that's very different about Halloween now as opposed to when we were growing up in some ways, the 80s were crazy. Our kids always uh, quote Danny saying the 80s were crazy because he's always talking (laughs) about like kids running around wild and stuff like they can't imagine. But uh, we didn't have like Halloween decorations like we do now. Mm -hmm. Um, I read an article the other day that Halloween is second only to Christmas as far as like – decor sales yeah, and um yeah and people our neighbor, didn't decorate their yeah, houses several like, people have yeah. uh yeah tombstones tons of tombstones which is interesting because mm-hmm. that's supposed they're supposed to be scary like death is scary i don't know it's interesting it is that like kind of fascination and repulsion it reminded me of um a quote from the the intro to screw tape letters uh which is one of my favorite books which is interesting i've read it like four or five times And I normally don't like things about spiritual warfare or demons, but it's just so insightful about human nature. Um, uh, And I used to actually be very afraid, like, at Halloween. I didn't like – I mean, I still don't like commercials for, like, you know, scary movies or whatever, but I was actually scared of the spiritual realm. But I think – The Holy Spirit working in my heart, learning to fear the Lord, learning to see the power of God to overcome has really brought a lot of freedom in that. Mm -hmm. But anyways, the quote is dealing with devils or demons or spiritual realm, but I think it ties into this too. It says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them they themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight so mm-hmm. basically yeah to, to ignore the spiritual realm yeah is it's dangerous. dangerous but yeah. to
0: on the christian side to overemphasize it like to think that to to just forget that we have power over it in the name of jesus and the spirit it dwells in us so so, yeah, there's kind of that. In the 80s, yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about history. So that's a very good quote to segue into our final question. So how should we as Christians approach Halloween? So that's my question. Because people have been asking us this, and people don't know. So there's there's layers to it. One is it's an outreach in the neighborhood. It's If your neighbors are getting out doing something, we probably should be involved with them. But also there's, like, stuff dabbling in the occult and dabbling in things that are clearly forbidden in scripture from the old testament to the new testament that we should not deal with you know that we should avoid at all costs so want to yeah. hear your thoughts i have a bunch of thoughts so yeah i'm gonna let y'all talk a little i'm bit.
2: gonna plead the danny on this one but um <laughs> yeah no i'm looking forward to hearing danny's thoughts on this um i i think just to like touch on your last question and jump into this. I think it is this interesting dichotomy that we have in culture where we have sanitized our world of death. Yep. And then this season of the year, we uh, commercialize it.
1: So interesting. It is
2: a very interesting thing. I mean, even in the church, I I mentioned this on our um, podcast that we did um, on lament, but even in the church, I think there's been a movement towards celebrations of life, and I think that is a a very Christian idea, as we've talked about. Like, I'm more alive on that day than I've ever been, and mm-hmm. we should celebrate that. But I think there is this also this reality that we don't want to think about death. Um, we want to we don't want to see a body, and and then we put them skeletons in our front yard yes, and, yes. and it's it's yes. it's kind of um ironic and yet i think it is our human nature to um this thing that does scare us mm-hmm. i think as a pastor i have um i've walked a lot of families to the grave in you know burying a loved one and I've learned to love that aspect of pastoring in that it is, death does force us to face our mortality Mm -hmm. and it's something we try to ignore. And I think I'm tying this back to Halloween in that I think what we, what our culture has done with Halloween is has made almost a joke of, of death so that, we don't have to face our mortality. And it's a fascinating social study. I'm interested to hear more um, from you, Danny. But in that, I do think just my initial thought on on this day is it's so commercialized and so um, disconnected <laughs> from... Uh, so much of what it what some of the th- icons of it represent, I think it's an amazing opportunity <laughs> to meet your neighbors and to be engaged in your community um, and so um it, that's that's kind of my personal and family approach to it
1: right yeah uh, so when you're talking it made me think of so many different things, but uh one thing is just. The one thing that we have in common with all humanity is unless Jesus returns sometime bef- beforehand, every one of us will die. I mean, like, not everyone will get married, not everyone will have a child, not everyone will do a lot of things on earth, but we will, we all know that in some sense death is looming. I don't think we, it's in the forefront of our minds, but we get reminded, you know, mm-hmm. at different times. So, I also think that's an incredible opportunity to yeah. because we it's a shared humanity on a very practical level I think Halloween's just the easiest time in the world like Danny said to meet your neighbors yeah. and to ha- take that step of evangelism just learning people's names again because everyone's out just talking making some sort of connection and like you said in the most neighborhoods it's very disconnected like most of the costumes are like you know, whatever the latest Disney movie was, or like, you know, and some of our best memories with our kids and, and neighbors, um, like, when we were in Raleigh, and even in Boston was just everyone being out and about, and, you know, our kids are, you know, Mario and Princess Peach and Luigi and cute pictures, Mm -hmm. and just, it just can be separated from that. Um, and it made me think of a, a quote, I think, think it's luther but he was talking about the devil and it was saying that like he hates to be mocked Mm. you know and Mm -hmm. i think that in a sense that's kind of like a mockery you're kind of flipping what was supposed to be you know glorifying evil we can use it you know Mm -hmm. for good to a certain extent yeah
0: great thought y'all interesting in a mighty fortress which is a song that luther wrote which is kind of one of the protestant anthems i'd say along with uh some of Charles Wesley's hymns and some others, like um, Hark the Herald. But um in A Mighty Fortress, he talks about Satan and the Devils about 30% of the song. <laughs> so I noticed in Waypoint when we were singing it a couple weeks ago, like people were raising their hands and then it's like, End though this world with devils filled and everybody like <laughs> <goes> <laughs> their hands. you don't want to be raising your hand for that line. Yeah. But but that's how that's how songs were. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's a reflection of how people thought. Like yeah. They sung about God's victory, but also gave credit to the fact that the spiritual realm is powerful and real. Okay. So I, I think that would be an interesting—we're we're just in a different phase. So the yeah. Little History of Halloween, so basically it's linked to uh, some celebrations, some, some, some pagan pre-Christian festivals in Northern Europe, particularly uh, co- combining a bunch of different ones. And the church creates All Saints Day— the Catholic Church on November 1st. And then so all hollow is another word for saint. Like hollow would be your name, you know. Mm-hmm. And this was like the night before, and different cultures, as Christianity went to them, mixed things together. And yes, there is a lot of weird stuff. Interesting enough, I want Peter to share just a tad on Salem because he, <sighs> Salem, Massachusetts, has now become the Halloween hub of Halloween tourism for it the world crazy. and he actually was part of a church that was planted there and yeah. him and Mary were part of the early mm-hmm. yeah. planting of a church in this city that is actually highlighting the Salem witch trials, which had nothing to do with Halloween, which were more of a, a yeah. you know, you guys know the history. So, but as, as, as Halloween comes into America, it's really candy man. Yeah. I'll let you share that in a second, but I'm just going to share the history and then I want to hear that yeah. candy manufacturers, are kind of like the driving force just like Valentine's Day, even Christmas, like our view of Santa Claus comes from Coca-Cola, like the red the mm-hmm. red Santa Claus the art. So there's a lot of commercialization, but it's okay for Christians to take holidays that already existed and to and to enjoy the festivities of the culture that God put us in, but delete the stuff that would be not of God. So it's not a bad thing. We've done this before with other holidays. I think we do it on lots of things. Like mm-hmm. most of our holidays aren't religious holidays. We celebrate Fourth of July. We celebrate Thanksgiving. You know, there can be parts of it that are redeemable as Christians. Some Christians would say this is completely unredeemable. We should have nothing to do with that. And I respect that decision. Sure, I'm not saying, because there are clear verses in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, even in Paul's list in Great Galatians about right before the fruit of the Spirit, it says, don't practice divination. I don't think that's what the Christians who have trunk or treat or these things are doing, but I get it. So interesting thing. I'm going to let y'all talk, but Halloween in America in my lifetime is Danny, the sociologist in the eighties. It was about candy for kids. And then horror movies had just come out because technology had finally gotten to the Mm -hmm. point where they could make horror movies. And then there was like the vandalism, like throwing eggs at houses, shaving cream, Parents got scared of that. The helicopter parents got rid of that. But interesting, in the 90s, Halloween was like sexy costumes. That became like mm. the weird. Mm-hmm. And then now it's like decorate your yard with scary stuff. So it's weird how all three of these trends and the vandalism's gone. Maybe in big cities they might have it, but no one, no one's throwing eggs in our shaving cream. I didn't see any shaving cream in the last 15 years. Sure. But I and I haven't seen I, I don't go to young adult parties. So maybe the sexy costumes are still around. I don't, I don't think they are, but but definitely the the yard stuff is is gone insane, almost a Christmas level yard decoration. So that's that's my little bit of observation. I want to hear your thoughts.
1: One quick thing about you're saying that candy drives it. I was thinking that's the same thing with Mother's Day. That's the same thing yeah. with Valentine's yeah. Day. That's the same thing. So we should actually be more afraid of greed <laughs> than yes. probably yes. any of these sure. things. And then one other thought, um, and I'm sure Peter will have even more to say about this, but um, when you think of like the the scarier side of Halloween, like witches and zombies, and Lawrence even came in and said, "Are you gonna talk about zombies in the Bible?" Mm-hmm. Because there's these things, ghosts. I mean, they are referenced in scripture. I mean, we don't we don't know enough to have like a. F- I mean, people have created theology around it and systems, but like there's a mystery to it too. We've got to kind of like fall back on what we know that God is more powerful than. Mm-hmm any force of evil, that he's conquered death, that Jesus cast out demons, that there's power in his name, you know, all of those things. But it is interesting that a lot of things that are being highlighted, they're not just ignored in the Bible. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, the the zombie thing was like at the in Matthew when he talks about after the resurrection that there were bodies coming up from graves and walking around. I don't know. We don't get much more information on that. But when Peter... um, was released from prison and acts, he goes back to his home church, and the person who comes to the door thinks it's Peter's ghost, not Peter. So Mm. obviously there's something there we don't understand. And this isn't after
0: Peter's death, or this isn't like a Lazarus or Jesus account. This is uh, Peter, alive, Peter. So there is some mystery. There's the passage in uh, 1 Samuel 28 where it says, then Saul knew it was Samuel, like basically... And Samuel, the ghost of Samuel, that's what the text calls it, talks to him. Mm-hmm. Saul gets condemned from this. It says in 1 Chronicles 10, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium mm-hmm. for guidance. So God, can, he shouldn't have done that. But the fact that, it's like I said, what happens in the intermediate state, is is not clear in the text so if you want to if 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 you're listening to this and you're like freaked out or whatever i i I can talk to you more about the text we don't have time to go into all those details in this podcast but at the same time we do know that the bible does allude to some that this in-between state so we're not avoiding it at the Mm -hmm. same time we're also saying that we can have full confidence that we're with christ so that if you forget everything else or get freaked Mm -hmm. out by anything we say just remember when we die we can be with Christ, and in this life, evil spirits have no power over us because we have Christ in us and we have His Spirit. Yeah. So those yeah. those things are true, and we're okay in in Christ. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. One quick thing. Yeah, my childhood, I was really scared a lot, and especially in this like realm. And when I, at church, even if we would talk about it, I would be very frightened. Like the um,
0: the. The snake, the serpent talking oh, to yes. Adam and Eve yeah, freaked yeah. her out for years. Yes, like she, yeah, even she the initial sleep.
1: story in the garden, yeah. Yes. Um, but I remember when I was talking to Danny, actually, one time, and he said, oh, when I was scared as a child, my mom would always say, just remember the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Yeah. What's the problem that that with my me. Pentecostal upbringing? <laughs> Maybe they they got
0: carried away on some stuff, but I'm so glad that yeah. that was part of my Pentecostal right. upbringing was to really believe that, that we had nothing to fear. That yeah. I was raised, and it's true. Yeah, that evil spirits have no power over someone who has the spirit. Yeah, like, and all you have to do is say, in in the name of Jesus, that they have to shudder.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I I said this in the sermon on Second Corinthians four, but. We believe the resurrection is a historical event. Jesus rose from the dead that points us to a future event. Our bodies will be raised that changes our present experience of this world. And I I mean, that's come straight from the text that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. And I think as we think about the spiritual realm, so Salem, Massachusetts, I despised Halloween largely because it is the biggest tourism event. Of, I don't know, but it, people from all over converge every October on Salem, Massachusetts. And um, they, they, I think to a degree, while we lived there um, and we moved there for this church plant, there was a heaviness to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, so, you know, circling back to, we're kind of saying, Halloween is very much a commercialization that it's, you know, largely a, a facade of the things that we talk about or things that we see in yards and that sort of thing. But there is there we have to acknowledge that there is a spiritual realm. And as we've been talking about, um, we can have confidence in Christ that the spirit within us Um gives us security in Christ and and so i know you know this can be a scary topic to talk about but there was a heaviness in the obsession with um like this convergent on Salem Massachusetts and this um this obsession with the spiritual realm i think as a, as as a believer as i think about the spiritual realm uh, there's a a very clear um while we, we don't know everything, there's a very clear confidence we have in Christ. When you have people who are very much scared of death and do not have hope beyond the grave, venturing into thinking about the spiritual realm, that's a scary place. And so you'd have masses of people. Traffic was horrible every October. and um, but, but people almost um, obsessing with the the spiritual realm of Halloween in almost a um, obsessive way, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I, I I do think that there was a a lot of that that as a believer I would avoid, um, yep. and so I think we do have to use discernment when it comes mm-hmm. to the holiday.
0: And to be honest, I've been in Tibetan places where they literally worship idols and demons mm-hmm. and but i've also been in places in america where i felt the same heaviness and darkness you mm-hmm. know where mm-hmm. i just know that they worship com- consumerism and uh, and yeah. i mean i've literally felt the same darkness in new orleans i felt the same darkness in las vegas i felt the same darkness in atlanta that mm-hmm. i felt there at different times because satan works in different ways yeah. in different places so in salem maybe it's it's crossing over so, yes, we're not saying like celebrate Halloween in the same way that the world would celebrate it. But we are saying that because we have festivals in our cultures, it's okay to redeem the parts of them and engage in the parts of them that yeah. that yeah. allow us to be all things to all people. So we might save some and to, to enjoy the culture that God's put us in while not giving over to detestable practices that keep people from God.
1: Mm-hmm. i think yeah i think how you celebrate halloween is kind of a like don't eat meat a uh, sacrifice to idols situation when paul says you know right. for some people it makes them stumble so don't do it but you know at the same time it's okay if your conscious is clear yeah, yeah, right. yeah so i think yeah you have to decide but one thing i mean again everyone has to make their own choice but i would advise against like the skeletons or, like, yeah. um, tombstones. I think, too, even just as a sensitivity issue, if, like, someone's just lost a loved one mm-hmm. yeah. and then tombstones are kind of treated like... And they're silly or... Silly, yeah. Scary or... Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. kind of... Yeah, just not sensitive to the gravity of... Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and
2: circling, like, yeah, yeah. allowing that to kind of circle back to this theme that we're talking about with death. I think as Christians... Um, I think it's my hope as I look at the scriptures and as I look at even our future resurrection of the body, that there is a um, reverent uh, soberness as as Christians that we should have about death Mm -hmm. and um, one that it's not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, I think one of the most meaningful funerals I ever did was on Ash Wednesday. And this phrase of Ash Wednesday, that from dust we came and to dust we return, and it was a tangible picture for me. And, and I think that reality, uh, like you were saying, like, I don't think we should make a joke of death. Mm-hmm. And I think we should have this reverent soberness that it's not the way it's supposed to be, and we have hope beyond the grave.
0: Yeah, and we could talk for so much longer on this, y'all. So I mean, I mean, at the end of the of this conversation, I mean, we really want to leave you with. In our culture, there's always going to be things that my my mission uh, missionary uh, seminary professor, who is also a missionary and a missiologist, said that sometimes you just have to delete something, like it's in the culture. You come to it, and you're just like, we can't participate in this. Right. It's just completely against god sometimes you can just accept it like if the culture honors parents okay the bible teaches us to honor parents so when the gospel enters a culture there are some things and then there's some things that we need to tweak or alter or redeem or say we can we can participate in these things but we have to be careful to delete the stuff that would point people away from christ and, Mm -hmm. and point people away from his truth and interestingly enough if people really did talk about death and tombstones that would be a great opportunity for us to ask them so what do you think really happens when you die you put a silly skeleton in your yard but what do you what do you really think happens Or you decorated for christmas what do you really think christmas is or something so it could be an opportunity to engage people where they're at in a culture that is confused about death or just doesn't want to deal with it and then kind of comes back once a year but so that's, that's where we are in this. So teach your children to love God and to mm. discern things. And you can use this as a discernment process. Yeah. Your kid comes back and says, why is that guy dressed like a witch or whatever? You could just say, or the, that girl dressed like a witch, why is he dressed like a skeleton? You say, you know, we don't do that. That's just what he thinks would be funny or what he would do. We choose not to do that, but it's okay. And then maybe if your child's eight, you could have a conversation if they're four Mm -hmm. you know you you might want to postpone some of these talks and we and tony and and others in our church can help you with age-appropriate ways to present different themes but we're here for you we love y'all yeah uh there is a second death that has no power over us and this is from revelation 20 it says talking about the first resurrection it says blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection that's everyone who dies or who are called with Christ. And then the second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him. Mm-hmm. And that's our hope.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And again, this is in Revelation. There's a lot of cryptic language there that's taking from Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah. And, it, and But we know that we will have new bodies and that God wants us to live in this world right now and begin redeeming those bodies that he's given us and loving God and loving others and... And we're just going to try to continue to do that. So we look forward to the resurrection of the body. Mm-hmm. But until that day comes when God makes all things new, we're going to just keep loving each other, keep encouraging each other, and keep listening to each other as we seek to really just love God, love others, and build Christ's kingdom. So thanks, y'all, for listening. Again, if you have any more questions, more concerns, come talk to us. No. Come talk to us because we, love, we <laughs> want you to feel confident in understanding that. Yeah. This, this yeah. is that our hope is in Christ. Yeah, and and but just this, to, this is a complex topic.
2: Yeah, and just to echo what Danny said, I do think Halloween, regardless of our response to it, is a discipleship opportunity for our families, mm-hmm. um, in how we think, and how we approach, and how we um, encounter our culture.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks, y'all. Come on out to Trunk Retreat. It is an opportunity to love our neighbors at, during the season when kids are you know, wearing costumes and enjoying it. And, heard there's uh, going
1: to be a live chicken. Yeah, I heard there's going <laughs> to be a
0: live chicken and a five-foot elephant that sprays water out of his trunk. So that's that's the word on the street. It's going it. to be fun. Thanks, y'all, so much. We're continuing to just be God's people and trust him with each day as, as we read his word and, and seek him. So thank y'all. Have a great week. Bye. See ya.